Saturday to you. You know, I am coming on on uh, Laugh, the Loving Arms for Families, Inc. Uh, podcast. And today I was walking and I normally walk every morning. And today was different because I decided I was going to, of course, walk and uh, continue walking today on the weekend because I normally just do Monday through Friday but I'm going to bring you guys up to speed because this is a place where I'm just going to keep it real over here and God's gift through his word is a beautiful place that I I do my best to keep it real but I I kind of hold back but over here since it's not really not really a podcast that people really listen to that much I'm just going to go in with what I've been dealing with. And so for some of you that may or may not know, I recently found my biological father who said, of course, when I got a chance to meet him on the phone with the brother I've never known, uh, he said he can't claim it, he can't claim me. So I recently found out that I had uh, several brothers and sisters in different areas, some in California, some not, and been trying to establish relationships with a few of them, not a bunch of them, because some of them I haven't even ever talked to. And then uh, while this has been going on, I got a new job that I've been training. I'm training, doing the trainings, and I also got accepted on the advisory board of the University of uh, California Riverside to do and be part of that and I'm looking forward to that and then my tv show for God's gift through his word which I will talk about God's gift through his word came out and the first show had Miss Jerrica J. Siobhan on it from surviving the journey podcast so with all those things going on that's been good stuff and recently I I had an appointment and this is for the military people because I don't really think there's any veterans that listen to this but if you are a veteran the things I do I wish I could redo and if I had it to do all over again I think I would have thought not to go into the military and go try to serve for this country this country that doesn't really honor veterans like they say this country that doesn't really respect the soldiers that they have nor treats them well nor pays them right nor cares about their family so this is just a personal opinion it's not what everybody else feels because everybody else hasn't had the same experience as me but this is from t drake this is t drake's experience which nobody can take away when i was in the military and i went in when i was 19 I was excited to go in. I thought this was gonna be the best thing. And plus I was escaping the abusive, toxic relationship of being with my family. I did not want to live with my family. I did not want to live <laughs> with my grandmother either because I was living with her. I was very happy to get away from everything and escape that kind of life. So I love my grandmother, so don't get it twisted. I love her, but we didn't have always the best of relationship and that was with my entire family so when I went to the military I thought I would this would be great I would get to travel the world I would get to escape and live and have my dream of just going and serving and becoming an officer in the Air Force which I had very much desired I wanted that to be my career I wanted to retire and be an officer in the military well I went in as enlisted and Life would have it that that's not what happened. 
I was raped in the military, sexually assaulted in that military as a basic trainee. And after that had happened, the plan that I was told was we got to get you out of the military. And that was a plan that was told to me, but I couldn't really remember all of that because of the medications that they had put me on after all this transpired. But I remember one of the TIs telling me at the time, his name was Staff Sergeant Archambault. So uh, at that time, he said, you got to make your hair look really crazy so they can believe that you're really crazy. And the plan was to take me to the psychiatric ward so that could take me on. He said, I'll still get my benefits. I'll still get my retirement and all that, but I'll be labeled as crazy and with a psychiatric uh, label. And I said, but I don't want to go out and be labeled as crazy because people will think of me crazy for the rest of my life. He's like, oh, no, no, it won't be that. But you'll still get your retirement. So as life would have it, I went I went into this psychiatric ward and they took me into Texas. Well, I was stationed in Texas, but they took me into the Wilford Hall Medical Hospital. I used to say Walter Reed because I got him confused because of all the medication I was drugged upon. We would have people come from Walter Reed that were part of uh, the program of being in the psychiatric ward with us. They would come bring people from Walter Reed as well, but it was Wilford Hall. So anyway, I remember being locked in the in the room, and they buzzed me in and locked me in there, and I stayed in that psychiatric hospital for three months. The rest of my entire military career was in a psychiatric ward because they wanted to hide the fact that I was sexually assaulted. When I first arrived into the psychiatric ward and I had found a friend and his name was Calvin, sweet guy. And I sat down beside him on the couch. They had this little area, this little day room they called it. And I sat down and he said, what are you here for? And I said, I don't know. I was sexually assaulted. That's why I'm here. He's like, what? And he says, okay. And then he told me about his situation, him getting jumped, and that's why he was there. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. But we were there for two separate reasons, but none of them had to do with a a psychiatry or a psychotic break. I'll just say that a psychiatric issue or a psychotic break. These were different things that had nothing to do with that. But because... Either for me, they didn't want me to say anything. They had to silence me. For him, they didn't want him to say anything. They had to silence him too. So they had to give us both medication. And to this day, I've, I've kept in contact with Calvin. And he and I are the only ones that could share our story to each other because nobody would ever understand. And the records may have been, I don't know, dissolved but I was told from somewhere that the Ward 4 that we stayed on is no longer. I actually want to go to Texas and see if that's true and go back because I'll be able to remember things. Like they used to give us walks when we go downstairs to the cafeteria. They had a small shopette, a very tiny mini shopette in the hospital where you could buy everything. And then they had the cafeteria where you get your food, you could sit down and then you look out the glass and you could see all of the grass. And then they would say, if we were gonna do a walk or go eat outside or something, they said, if you guys eat outside, go ahead and pack up your food. We'll take a walk. Will we take a walk, go eat our food outside, sit on the grass. And that's what we would do every day. 
we would have to sit in circle, talk about how we're feeling, what's the word for today. Pet dogs, because it was around holiday time, pet a dog. <laughs> for those of us they thought were mentally unstable and had a chemical imbalance. For over 20 years, I had been put on by the VA Abilify because before that my mother and I love her too but I have to put this out there to get it off my chest because I've been holding it forever my mother at the time when I came out of the military I was so sad that I had failed and I didn't I couldn't finish and so I wasn't taking a shower I was not happy I was really super depressed that I couldn't finish what I really wanted to do and I was back with my family again the very place I didn't want to be I ended up back I remember my mother had a conversation with my dad my this is my stepdad but I call him dad because he's not my biological but he has taken care of me since I was nine months old I remember overhearing a conversation where she said, I'm tired of this, and she's got to get out of here. And my dad said to her, but that's your daughter. She's like, I don't care. She needs to go away. So they put me in a psychiatric ward. It was called the Lighthouse, Pikes Peak Mental Health in Colorado Springs. I remember it very clearly. I have a sharp memory. But a lot of medication had kind of blocked up what happened wilford hall and actually kind of blocked out a little bit more what happened when i actually went into the psychiatric ward because of what had transpired with the ti and all of that sexual abuse it kind of was blocked out so after after being where was i after having all of that going on and my mother understanding that's what that's what she wanted to do she put me in the psychiatric ward because I guess she had researched some things she put me in the psychiatric ward knowing that I had been sexually assaulted in the military she put me in that psychiatric ward and after I came out I was home for a while I don't remember what transpired again but something transpired between myself my mother grand grandmother something happened again mother committed me to another psychiatric ward called Cedar Cedar Springs Behavioral Center. Well, at that time, the person had asked me during the intake, do you feel like you're suicidal? And I was so angry at my mom. He's like, I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm suicidal. Just put me in here. Only because I had already dealt with this through the military. This was just me coming out of the military in 2000, I was out between 2001 and 2002. I had all these in and out of the psychiatric ward because my mother was doing that purposefully. So throughout that time, I was so angry. I was like, you know what? Give me a 72 hour hold, then I'll take it. I was doing everything to kind of destroy my mother's house and all of that. I didn't want no parts of what was going on with my mom. She wasn't very kind at that time, and all she was seeing was money. So after all of that, I, I really felt like a shell of a person. 
because in the Cedar Behavior Center, they had put me on lithobid first, then they tried me on lithium. They had given me for lithium 600 milligrams two pills, 1200 milligrams of lithium. That kept me so comatose and drugged up and not really knowing to wake up. I was always sleeping and really couldn't talk very well being on so much high dosage of medication that was 1200 milligrams of lithium. That wasn't really a good a good amount for me. That was too much medication. So, I was always sleeping. And because of that, my family would say, are you sleeping? Because that's all I would do with that medication. It would have me sleep all the time. I would not even be able to do anything because all I was doing was sleeping. And so, even up to the point later that I'll tell you guys about, I was always sleeping. Well, the medications that I had, I had I had been prescribed and my family would give them to me when they had me at their house. And I was living there, you know, 2003, all the way up to 2008. I had gotten married. I got married and my mother before that, she was my fiduciary when the VA actually said that I was accepted to get benefits because of the psychiatric in and out and the the doctors documenting all this and the therapy and all of that she was awarded the money and she was put as my fiduciary so the money she took I never saw a dime of it the bills that I had when I was a teenager that she was supposed to pay for and I was now 23 they were not paid for and I remember that the gentleman Robert Cranick he said do you think your your old bills and all your old credit card debt can be paid for I said yes he's like I think so too he said that will help he's like so your mom will have your money He's like, she'll just make sure that all the bills and all the old credit card debts and all that, they're paid for. Well, my mother didn't do that. She really didn't pay any of my bills. None whatsoever. I still have old debt that was on my credit report now, and I still have to deal with it. Some things have fallen off because years have passed, definitely. But that money that was for me, Mm-mm. She took it for her rent. She took the whole entire money for herself. The settlement was for her. Had me cutting checks to my family members. I remember she had me cut a $1,500 check to my my dad and give it to him. And he looked at me and said, what is this for? I said, I don't know. Mom said, give it to you. I gave it to him. Cut a $2,000 check for my grandmother. Checks for my siblings. I'm sure they got stuff off of me because I didn't get anything. Had a bank account at Academy Bank but couldn't see my account. 
Then I overhear. So we're going to fast forward. Then I overhear while staying with my mother in her home. I overhear a conversation that she's talking about because they were trying to purchase another house. They were staying at a, a house in Colorado Springs, Leodi. 2605 Leodi in Colorado Springs. And they wanted to get another house. Well, I remember my mother closed the door. And I was in the other room. She was looking to see if I was around. But I hid behind the bed. So it looked like I was gone. So then she closed the door. And she proceeded to talk to the woman on speakerphone. And I remember the conversation vividly. The woman asked, is there any more money you have? Because you guys don't really have all the money that you would need to secure the house. But if you had some extra money, that might help. And so my mother proceeded to say, well, I have an adult veteran who gets about $2,000 a month every month. And I'm over that money. I'm her fiduciary. And the lady said, can you prove that? Can you prove that that money is, is for you to utilize and she won't ever want it back? And she's like, yes, I have documents to prove that I am the fiduciary and legal person who can touch the money and get the money. So she's like, she gets that money every month. She's like, every month she gets that money. Like clockwork, every month she gets that money. She's like, okay, well, if she gets that money every month, definitely, this will definitely help. So my family... My mother and my father, they got a brand new five-bedroom house built from the ground up. They, they got it. So I sat watching as I still didn't have my own house. <laughs> I could have had a house a long time ago myself, but the money that I could have for a down payment, which might have been $10,000 at the time to have your 10%, I had that but it was used for somebody else. And credit and everything wasn't taken care of, so all of that was hard. Then fast forward to my being married. I married my ex-husband, who's my ex now, but at that time, my husband, and he saw me always washing dishes and things, and. He said I would never have to wash another dish if I lived with him. He said he would take me away from that. He was so charming and seemed like he cared. He's like, I will take care of you. You don't have to worry, you know. And when I married him, he turned into a beast. He turned into a monster. I didn't know who he was. He was so abusive. He was so mean. He was so wicked. He was so evil, and I married him. He was so abusive. Our relationship, there were good times, but there were more bad than good. And I remember looking at my kids just the other day, some old pictures. When we went through all this domestic violence, this was when they were small. This is when they were really young. I was glad that I, I left at least when my youngest was three years old. She was still a baby. They were still all babies. But I left when she was three. <clears throat> and it was hard because all of that was going on. 
I had to fight again the VA, which was still an extension of the DOD to me, still military. I had to fight that. And I had to still deal with going to be treated by the VA, which was not not fun for me. I go there because I have to. Then I don't have my own insurance. So I had to be forced to use the VA's insurance. But I would really rather not. I really rather have an outside service provider for everything that I need. Because there are certain things when you go into the VA that you can smell that are used because they use the same products, the same hand soap, it's the same smells. can trigger a person just a smell and there were so many smells that the VA had that were the same because they use the same a lot of the same products so when the doctor recently told me that they had taken and they said they're going to stop giving me the Abilify was like, Lord, thank you. This has been a whole bunch of crap I have been dealing with for years. 20 plus years. I have been living a lie. Doctors would ask me, psychiatrists and therapists, how are you feeling? How's the medication working? And I would lie every time. The medication is working. Just so they wouldn't say anything. They write in their notes, medication is working look at her affect she looks very decent today she's well groomed all those things they would put in the notes she's still a morbidly obese woman but she's dressed decent and I knew I could never tell them the truth because the truth would hurt me the lie wouldn't and I've been lying this entire time and I don't want to give credence to the father of lies but at that time that's what I was doing I was allowing the father of lies to keep me in bondage the Lord has dropped the chain off so I could speak the truth that I was not taking that medication for all those times that they were giving it to me and prescribing it I hadn't taken that medication for 20 plus years but all I did was keep on taking the medications going to the appointments so that I could show that I'm doing what I need to do and complying but I hadn't taken that medication I hadn't taken Abilify since the last time when I was at the Pikes Peak Mental Health doctor with Dr. Skolton that's the very last time I had taken that medication and maybe even up to when I was living with my parents, which they were the ones dropping me off. So that would be up to that point after that. No. So anytime we would get angry and upset, real emotions, they would chalk it up to, they need to increase my dose because of my irritability. 
and then for the doctor, Dr. Mazur, saying he was going to put borderline personality disorder on me along with the bipolar lie that was there without an evaluation from the Long Beach VA. That's what he did. And he said, if you ever come back to the Long Beach VA, hey, I'm your guy. No, you're not. You're not my guy. And then I had shared with that doctor a book I wrote, The Gift of Five God's Love, Guilty Shame, turned into my shot. He's like, oh, well, don't get become too overwhelmed because, you know, if you can become too overwhelmed, you know, you'll it just won't work out for you. It was never very encouraging about anything I was doing. And I, I thought that these doctors were there to help. But every time I go there, he wasn't there to help me. He's just there to write more prescriptions. And because he has a doctor's license, he was able to do it. But Dr. Mazur, when my kids were taken, and I was telling him about the DCFS social work, he's like, don't tell them even if things are going wrong. Just continue to lie and tell them things are going good. I was like, you want me to lie? He's like, when it comes to them, you need to lie and not tell the truth. I was like, what? He's like, don't mess with them. Just keep lying. So I was lying all over the place. But eventually the truth has to happen because one thing I know, and I wasn't practicing to do it, but it was happening. It says, oh, what a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. I believe that's Walter Scott. The web that was so convoluted and twisted had hands and it had tentacles and webs into different parts of my life and I wasn't able to talk about it. I tried to talk about it to my friend, Pastor Jay, but it just reminded me how much of a podcast I need to do because some people can't really hear your story and understand it to the gravity and the nature of the hurt and pain and the guilt and shame and just all the other mental harm that was put on you and the emotional harm because people just like yeah that's something and they gotta go no disrespect to him he has other things to do but nobody will be able to understand and they say when you repeat the story you're just wanting to have that comeback I'm not repeating the story I want people to know what happens in the military and you can't know if somebody doesn't talk about it so you got to talk about it get it out there and I'm willing to do that even to my own detriment of letting people know that which I have been doing for all these years it was so sad and my friend Bobby long ago when they had deemed me incompetent he said are they gonna give you a check I said, well, yeah. He's like, so you're going to get a check? I said, yes. He's like, well, then be incompetent and play the game. I was like, but I don't want to be incompetent. And I'm not bipolar. He's like, I understand all that. I understand all that. But you've got to play the game. I was like, but I don't want to play. He's like, if you don't play. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So he just kept telling me, play the game. Whatever I had to do to play the game, I had to play the game. And I played. 
played out to this point of being 41 years of age, 2021, and the doctor saying, we now are going to let you not be on Abilify anymore. We take that medication off of you. You no longer have to take that medication. And that was a blessing. But I have been walking alive for so many years. husband said well she's bipolar I knew she was crazy there are certain things I probably did that warranted him to say that because I didn't want to be with him I didn't want to be with him I was trying to take my life not because I was bipolar but the abuse that I suffered people don't understand domestic violence and intimate part of violence is serious and people can't go through that the psychological mental well-being is jacked up And until people start realizing that it's got hands in all parts of your life and it plays into your mental cognitive thinking and your mental ability to cope with something like that, it's hard to cope with something like that when your mind is basically trying to survive. You're in survival mode, trying not to get yourself killed or your butt beat all the time because this man has a bad attitude. But people don't understand that. People get so ignorant to the fact that they don't understand what it is to go through something like that. You speak from a place of ignorance because you don't know. I had spoken from a place of ignorance until I was the person that had to become the victim of domestic violence. But now I walk as more than a survivor and conqueror of, but an overcomer and thriver. And I will be, pardon my French, I'll be damned if I let anybody come in my life again and take my power from me and try to harm me and hurt me. And if I gotta stay single and not marry another man because I don't want that to happen again until I really understand where they're coming from, then I will wait because it's not that serious for me to go into another relationship and lose my life this time. Last time I almost lost my life. I almost was choked and strangled to the point I could have lost my very life and that man would have watched me die and my kids would have no mother today. I'm so passionate about what goes on with veterans and so passionate about DV and HIV as well. When people say you don't know, you have no idea. I am an African-American woman. Whether you want to call me that or call me something else, this is my my story about me. I'm not going to let anybody take an inch of it away from me. I went to the military and I was done dirty. And it was wrong. That's why I have a passion to do this nonprofit. And if I have to die trying to lift up this nonprofit called Loving Arms for Families to really show God's loving arms around veterans and really let them laugh once again to enjoy their life because people have treated them like pure garbage. This country does not love veterans like it says. It doesn't treat them right. It doesn't do them right. They don't even get paid right. They don't even get good benefits right. And when they have bad credit, these people don't want to help them lift their credit. They want to charge them for every single thing. Nobody wants to really help veterans the way that they say and the services that should be out for them since they have sacrificed something for the country should be more momentous than it is now probably said that word wrong because I'm, I'm, I'm angry and I'm not speaking right, but this is passion right here. What veterans have done for this country, what the military people have done and have sacrificed, 
I will hear, wait hearing to hear that line, thank you for your service. You know what? Don't thank me for my service. And I'm not going to say thank you. You're welcome. I'm not saying that back because that phrase is ridiculous. Thank you for your service. You have no idea something that some of these veterans have lost and then they can't even go back into the military because the military has blackballed them and blacklisted them and ousted them from the military when it was the people in the military that screwed that person up and they have no accountability. The military is not as pristine as it's supposed to be. They have a whole invisible war about the sexual harassment and sexual trauma that they have allowed to be in every single service and have not yet dealt with it. They need to deal with it. They need to deal with it. They haven't dealt with it. And there are many men and women that every single time they say something, they end up, nobody hears the story. Nobody acknowledges them. Not in the military. They follow procedure and protocol. But when sexual harassment, there's no procedure or protocol for that. You guys aren't really doing anything with that. And there's so many sexual harassment cases going on even now. Nobody's really doing anything. There needs to be more community engagement of how to really help and take this off and away from the military and with community partners that can really deal with it because the military is not conducive to do so. The military needs some community partners that can be routed to and they can be a third party that is neutral that can hear from the military person, the military service person, or the veteran and tell them how to assist and go back and let the military know this is what's going on. This is the real report. But when you have it going through the military, you're not going to get the real report. You're not going to get it because they're going to think that this person is trying to get ahead or you're trying to you know, mess with the commander or your superiors, their rank, and because you have to be commanded to do something, you can't not say no. Even if you say no, they are your superior. It's set up like that. So if I could go back and change it in a moment to go back when I was 19 and not go into the military, I would not go in. But the Lord works everything out to the good. So I share this because I've been wanting to get this out and I didn't know how my ex-husband has been stealing and robbing and doing all this stuff with identity thieving from me because he's out there just doing this. James Robert Drake is a thief and a liar and an abuser. I'm going to continue to say that we have to start calling these people out and I don't care if he thinks it's defamation. This is wrong. You're stealing from your kids. You don't want to pay child support because you're hiding your deadbeat father. And I married you. Unbeknownst to me, you were the wrong person to marry. I have four beautiful kids and that's all I have. But the marriage was horrible. I tried to do my best in that. But there's no way. There's no way I could do my best in that marriage. It was awful. So I say this to the veterans. You may never, ever hear this, ever. You may never, ever, ever hear this. And this this podcast may never be nothing but a memory. And maybe the nonprofit, I don't know. I, I want to make the nonprofit happen. But this is what I do know. Veterans deserve better treatment than what they're getting. People like Miss Dorcas, where someone steals her story and she's a, a veteran in the Navy. Miss Karen, she's also a veteran 
I forget what service she's in, but all these veterans that I had a chance to meet at U.S. Vets in the transitional facility, the veterans were treated poorly. The furniture's wobbly. The food spoiled. Nobody was really caring about veterans. So, if the Lord allows me to make a multi-service center that really rolls out the red carpet for veterans, that's what I see. When a veteran comes in, they are treated with honor, dignity, respect, and that entire place is for veterans. Not like how the here, the Bob Hope Center that they said is for veterans and all the other faculty people and all of the other organizations use it. It's really not for veterans, even though they said it's dedicated to them. It's it's not. <laughs> it's not. Veterans are seen as dollars and cents. Nobody really cares about them for real. And the little organizations that do care, they're trying their best, but they need more help. I want to be able to offer veterans free child care. And I want to be able to offer them that anytime they come here, if they need a personal day, just to relax and just be gone. I want them to know that they can drop their kids off and their kids will be okay. I want to offer that. I want to be able to offer a curriculum that can help them as well and offer different paths to learn how to podcast, to learn how to speak, to learn how to write books, to learn how to do a myriad of different things, to learn how to live stream and broadcast, to learn how to do all these different things, to have a TV show, to do all the things I'm doing as a veteran, to show them it can be done because I'm doing it. I'm a living witness and case study for my organization that I'm doing this and it can be done if you're willing to do it and willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable with your story because people need to hear our stories. People need to hear from the veterans all the talent and skills that they have and they'll be put in front of a recreational day for poker day instead of helping them have something expert, some expertise that they could do and enjoy and put up an event like the SoCal Podcast Explosion where the veterans can be of service and we can serve them as they are being of service. That's what I want. There are veterans all across the globe that are amazing, but we never get to see what they're about because some of them, they've been, their shine has been taken from them. All they had was their identity in the military. And when you take that identity from them, what do they have now? They're a civilian and they have nothing. But I want to change that and let them know you're a civilian and you have something. When I see a veteran, it is honor for me because they went in to go and serve. It's important that they be rewarded for the sacrifice that they had to endure. Some people lost legs, limbs, hearing, all kinds of stuff. It is wrong that we treat our veterans in such a way. My story may not be unique. There might be multiple stories out there like mine. But I'm willing to tell it. I'm willing to put it on front street. And I'm willing to put it out there. I don't want to have any more shame or guilt of being sexually assaulted and raped in the military. I'm not going to have that on my conscience. I'm letting it go. And I'm putting it out there for everybody in the world to hear. And even if only one person hears it, I hope it helps them. I hope you understand that because of whatever happened in the military, you still are strong. You don't let the Air Force or the Navy or the Marines, the 
the Coast Guard or the Army dictate your life, you still are worthy. And whether they treat you like that or not, you still are worthy. And in the sight of the Lord, you're worthy. Man's not going to see you as worthy because man likes to slap labels on the things that they do to us. But you live above the label. And you live above the little tropes that they talk about. We don't need those. So I'm going to get out of here because I'm really supposed to be working on coffee season on God's gift through his word. So I got to run over there. But I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And if you'd like to come over to the podcast Connect Network, we'll be talking about blood in the water and gaslighting for affection. So please tune in if you're able to come on Clubhouse. We will welcome you. And thank you so much for listening to me unveil my story that's been on my heart for many, many years. Sometimes it makes me teary-eyed that I tried to go into the service and I wasn't able to serve and I was messed up for it. But God knows why. I went in wanting to serve my country. I went in thinking I was doing the right thing thinking I was going in to do something noble. I was going in thinking I was going to do something great for for my country. I thought that, but I was wrong. It wasn't a great thing to do, and it wasn't a good sacrifice for me. It ended up hurting me so bad, but I'm so glad I found the Lord. I'm so glad I found him. Because even when I was in and they had me in the psychiatric ward, I remember the only book that I was able to read, that I could actually read all over all the time, was Titus. I was reading that. I would sit on the floor in the room that they gave me, on the floor in that little psychiatric room where they gave you a bed, a dresser. You had your own shower. <laughs> and then you look out the window you have your door but you're not able you're not able to leave (laughs) I would walk those halls with the cameras watching us everywhere we go except for in the kitchen area but there were cameras on you everywhere and sometimes there there weren't any cameras in where where you change but in the hallway you were always being watched felt like a criminal I went to go serve and I wasn't being served even up to the point when I told the nurse can I go back to basic training you're never going back don't you ever ask anymore you're not going back and all these doctors thinking that they're they're helping me and healing me by giving me all these medications popping all different types of pills in me just running them through my body by the grace of God, I thank him that the Cyprexa and the Seroquel and the Respital and the Lithium and the Lithobin and the Bilify and all those psychiatric psychotropic drugs that they ran through my system. Praise God, it didn't affect me the way I'm sure they wanted it to. Because you give a psychiatric drug to a person that doesn't have any psychiatric issues, that's a challenge. I might have PTSD from the trauma I experienced, 
but I don't need to be put on all these medications to be run through and nobody actually understand what's going on and where the anger comes from. You get raped. Do you think you should be walking around happy and jovial every day? Hey, I was raped. It was good. Yeah. No. But you want to try and medicate the thing. That's not what you need to do. There needs to be a creative outlet for that person to think about that and whether they have to paint, journal, sing, build something, make something. That's where the therapy to get the trauma up and out comes from. It has to be worked out in some kind of way. Create something. And that's why I'm so creative because when I was going through all that trauma, I would create and let my imagination just take me to that space to create. So I just want to get out of here. That's my dream for Loving Arms for Families, that there would be a place for them to come and that everything I'm doing is part of Loving Arms for Families, the podcast, the TV show, the media aspect of it, and also the connection to other people to do what I do as veterans to show them there's other ways to do these things and to get their word out there and to also let people that are in the faith know you can share a podcast and share your faith if you're really serious and you want to do it so I hope you guys will take care and although this isn't God's get through his word I'm going to sign you guys off with my tagline be blessed, motivated, and always inspired to do what God lays on your heart you guys take care And I got to run. God bless your hearts. And thank you guys for tuning in. Take care.